Well, good to be with you guys this morning. Always a couple of things uh, before I get started. First of all, uh, you see me limping around, and a lot of you kindly ask, you know, what's going on there. And, you know, basically, uh, getting older, you're managing deterioration, and uh, as somebody put it. And I uh, found out this week with an MRI that I've got some pretty serious uh, arthritis in the hip, so uh, we'll go from there. Uh, could be worse. Um, so just wanted you to know about that. That's why I'm gimping around here. And um, uh, good news and bad news about our building campaign. Last May, if you were here, most of you were here, uh, we started raising some m- money to expand our, in- expand our facilities. We needed that. We've got a children's building now that we've needed, extra parking lots, some infrastructure. We still want to put another worship center in. It's going to be right back over there. We'll start in a couple of months. And basically, la- and the reason we're doing this is that we've, there's a lot of people coming into this area, and, and we don't want to turn them away just because, you know, the, the, the we're just too small. And um, um, we grew 20% last year, about 22%. Uh, for example, Christmas Eve, the previous year we had 4,000 people. This year, 5,000 people. And just there's a lot of new folks. We want to reach some for Christ, as many as God wants us to reach. So we need more space. And also, I'm getting tired of doing three services. I want to do two. Um, so we'll go to 9 and 11, back to 9 and 11. Okay, we, st- we, need, we need $7 million. We started off with $2 million in the bank before that. Uh, we're going to raise $5 million. The good news is that we raised $5.3 million because of your generosity. Way to go. Thank you. The not-so-good news is that uh, we needed to make some tweaks and changes in the total project of $7 million. We're, we need $450,000. So um, if if you have given all that God wants you to give, great. Don't even think twice about it. But if God would have you give some more on that, or if you weren't here and you want to join with us, uh, every dollar goes to reach people for eternity and transform lives, and you can't uh, do better than that. So uh, just want you to be aware of that. Uh, so the second thing, this is my first time to preach during this new year, and our second Sunday in the year. And, and I just want to encourage you, particularly you parents, um, you know, the national average of people going to Bible-believing churches in the United States is they go to church 1.7 times a month. Now, sometimes there's good reasons for that. You're out of town. You know, we get that. I'm out of town sometimes. Uh, But let me encourage you. If you are in town, don't decide whether or not to go to church. Make that decision ahead of time that you're going to be there. Jesus, the New Testament says, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom, God's people have always worshipped together. It's, an, it's a tangible expression. God's first in my life, and, and particularly for you parents with children. They're looking to you, and this is kind of giving them the tangible evidence. Okay, mom and dad are serious about God, if that's just a part of their life. So no legalism here, but just uh, make God a priority for that. All right, if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read today's passage. I'm in Genesis 3. I'll, I'll give you a little backstory on that in a minute. But Genesis 3, verse 8, where we read, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? 
The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Church, this is God's holy word. Please be seated. If you were with us in the fall, pre-Christmas, we spent about three months on Genesis 1 through 3. Now, keep in mind, there is no more foundational passage in all of Scripture than Genesis 1 through 3. All the major themes of the Bible are found in seed form in Genesis 1 through 3, all the basics. It is rich beyond uh, understanding and, and uh, so much spiritual depth and practical living is found there. Now, we've almost finished it. We've got two more passages today and next week. Uh, after that, we're going to not go four through 50, uh, kind of in order, and that'd be two years, but we're gonna, I'm just going to choose nine passages between four and 50 of the, the, the saga of those great patriarchs and uh, pivotal passages, and we're going to dive deep into those. So that's what's coming up this spring. Now, so far in Genesis 1 through 3, let me just remind us, Genesis 1, the overview of creation, you know, kind of a quick look at the seven days of creation. Now Genesis 2, beginning in Genesis 2, 4, through the rest of 2, as we zoom in on the critical day 6 when man and woman were created, and we have the details of that. And there we see uh, some of the basic passages about the meaning of work, uh, nature of marriage. Uh, who, who man and who woman are and sexuality and, and even it speaks to today's transgen transgender confusion and all kind of basic passages. Now at the end of Genesis 2, beginning of Genesis 3, we come to sin, the fall of man and the consequences and that's where we are. We started, uh, we've done one week in the past and now we've got uh, weeks 2 and 3 in Genesis 3 coming up. Now at the end of Genesis 2, we're pre-sin, and we've got this picture of an ideal paradise environment. In fact, 225, the last verse, says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And what God is telling us is that the physical nakedness depicts the, the emotional intimacy and transparency and the trust in the relationship. I mean, there everything is so good there in the Garden of Eden, in paradise environment, pre-sin. But then in the next chapter, Adam and Eve disobey God's explicit command, and that causes all kinds of problems because sin always hurts us. A, a, a principle throughout the Scriptures, every time we disobey God, we're hurting ourselves, and often we're hurting the people around us. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, we see the consequences of it in verse 7 of chapter 3. That's right before our passage. So verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So why are they sewing these fig leaves together? Because they feel guilt, they feel shame, they feel embarrassment, and they no longer trust one another. Because this is what sin does. It separates us from God, and it separates us from people that are close to us. It always does. So they feel this barrier here. I don't trust her. Maybe she's going to manipulate me or laugh at me or something like that. And vice versa. And so this is the nature of sin, and God's teaching us. This is what sin does in our lives. And several times during this crucial passage in Genesis 1 through 3, I have reminded you that if you want a thriving, successful, happy marriage, then this is what you do. You obey Jesus Christ because every time you sin, the walls are going to go up between you. 
to the extent that you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, each one of you, you're going to experience God's favor and blessing and the, 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 the life that obeying God is going to bring and it's going to help your marriage. No wonder marriages are falling apart all over the country because people are living their own ways rather than God's way. So with all of that as a background, we come to our passage today. So now there's sin, now there's separation, and now there are barriers. And then we come to our passage in verse 8 that I read earlier when we read, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the, So think, you know, sunset, uh, right before dusk, in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And um, we see two responses to sin here. Okay, they sin. Verse 8 has two responses. We see what God does and what man does. What does man do? He hides. He is embarrassed. He's feeling guilty. He's feeling shame. He's hiding from God. What does God do? Uh, God does not withdraw from Adam and Eve because of their rebellion against him. Rather, God does the opposite. He presses into them. He comes looking. He comes seeking. They hide. He seeks. Hide and seek. And God is pursuing them. He's pursuing them in love. And that's what God does for you every time you sin. You may uh, run from God and hide from God and stiff arm God, but God is not going to hide from you and reject you. God will come pursuing you and chasing after you in love because that's his heart for you and his heart for me. He is that kind of God. And we see that right at the outset of the Bible. You know, it's almost comical that Adam and Eve are trying to hide from an all-seeing, all-knowing Uh, all-present God, but they feel guilt and shame, and and, and so it's just our human tendency, and and we all do that. If you're not walking with God, you're a believer, you've trusted Christ, and you're not walking with God, you're not going to want to read your Bible, you're not going to want to pray, you're not going to want to be at church, you're not going to want to be with God's people, you're going to want to hide in some way or the other and kind of avoid God, just like Adam and Eve. We're no longer comfortable with who we are, and we're not comfortable with other people, especially people who know God and who love God. Now, here's the question that we ought to ask ourselves in a passage like this. Okay, Adam and Eve are hiding. This is not just a history lesson here, a Sunday school lesson. This is uh, to change our lives. So the question is this, how do I hide? How do you hide? Let me just start off uh, before you give me your answers. Uh, let me tell you how I hide, how I've hidden some of these ways from the time I was a little boy, and uh, some of them as an adult. I, I read a lot. Um, I, I study. I run. I uh, exercise. I, I, I try to uh, bottle up my feelings and not show emotion at times, and uh, you know, I've practiced that since I was a boy of, of not being able to express emotion well. I try to control things around me. Uh, how else do I hide, Gail? you probably got a few other things there. Uh, you know, they, these are some of the ways I hide. Now, now, let me be clear. I can read from healthy motives and study the Bible from healthy motives, but, but not always. Sometimes I'm hiding from people and hiding from God. Now, sometimes I'm so good at hiding, I hide from myself that I'm hiding. So do you. In fact, I never say to myself, okay, Jeff, you're really hiding now. Uh, you know, we don't talk that way, but we're like Adam and Eve. Human nature is no different. Uh, we hide from God in our guilt and our shame, and it doesn't work. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve were hiding from God, and, and it just doesn't work. Um, 
There's no life in it because God is the source of, of all that we're longing for. I mean, he's the source of all that we, you know, this love and joy and everything that we're longing for. He's the source of it. So it's never going to work to hide. All the world is hiding from God and it just doesn't work. Um, how are you hiding? You will never get very far in your spiritual life while you're hiding. You will not enjoy the freedom in life that you could have with God and with people as long as you're hiding. The more secure we are in God's love and grace, the more uh, we can relax and stop hiding. You know, God, God loves it when we're honesty. Jesus so loves honesty. You know, he just had no uh, time for the Pharisees hiding and lying and hypocrisy. He wants us to be real, real people, real with God, real with others around us, real with ourselves because there's life in that. Our tendency is to hide. But remember, every time you're hiding from God, he's not withdrawing from you. He's pursuing you. That's the way he is. He's just pursuing you. He's loving you. We hide, God seeks. All righty. Verse 9. Uh, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? So remember, they're hiding from God. God comes looking for them. Now, now God He's the omniscient God. He doesn't need to ask Adam, where are you? But Adam needs to be asked by God, where are you? Because what's God doing? He's drawing him out. He's drawing him out. Now, now notice the grace in this passage. God doesn't drive him out and doesn't force him to himself. God doesn't do that. Doesn't do it with you. If you want to run from God the rest of your life in misery and pain and mess up your life, you can do that. But God wants to invite you back. Where are you, Adam? He's drawing him out. Has all the marks of grace. You know, right here at the outset of the Bible. And um, he's wooing him. Where are you, Adam? Okay, when we sin or when we live a life of sin and run from God, uh, we, we can hide, but God is going to come seeking us. Do, do you all know Luke 19.10? It, it might be the summary statement of why Jesus came to the earth. Je Jesus himself said this. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. <laughs> Jesus came seeking, and he's still seeking. We're hiding, he's seeking. Get found, get found. All righty. How does Adam, oh, by the way, um, do, you, do you notice that Adam and Eve, they're, they're hiding from God in the garden. Do you see that they're really kind of hiding from each other also? How, how are they hiding from each other? They, these fig leaves, you know, they, they, they sin, and the first thing they do is they feel vulnerable. They don't trust each other. Uh, they, 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 they grab these big fig leaves and cover themselves. And that, that, does that work? No, they're still hiding. They're, they still got fear. They got fear of rejection from each other. Uh, sin is going to not only separate you from God, but from the people around you. Uh, it always does. And, and, and do those fig leaves work? They don't work. And neither does your hiding work. It doesn't work. Because you were made for God. And you were made to live an authentic Honest life. All righty. God asks Adam. He's drawing him out. Where are you, Adam? And uh, Adam responds in verse 10. He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He's saying, the reason I'm hiding is because I was naked. Well, he's leaving out a big part of the story, isn't he? He's leaving out the main reason, you know, because I disobeyed you, God, and I felt guilty. That's why 
I was uh, ashamed of my nakedness, and that's why I feared rejection, not only by Eve, this woman you gave me, but rejection by you, and I'm hiding. I hid. At least he had the good sense to admit that he, that he was hiding. And, and you know, we do this, tend to do the same things. You know, Adam, his story was this. I was naked, and that's why I was afraid, and that's why I hide. The truth is, it starts with sin. The truth is that he sinned against God, and because of that, he felt shame, and because of that, he was afraid, and because of that, he hides. So it's the sin that's the problem, and sin separates us from people. It does. Now, God made you to live in relationships, both with God and with people. God has always lived in relationship in the triune Godhead from all eternity. He's, he made you for community. He creates man and woman in the image of God, and you're made for community. God made for Adam and Eve to connect and connect with other people just like he made for you. And the problem is, is, that, is that living in community and relationship is the thing that I fear the most because I don't want to uh, be rejected. But it is also the thing I long for the most. And we're just this mixture. You know, I fear rejection because my poor little human heart can barely handle it. And, you know, I should be serious about that because it is painful. I mean, you get divorced and your heart gets ripped out and other things. Rejection's hard. And so at some point, we put up so many walls around us that we've blocked people out completely. We wear masks and we hide and we're just missing out on life. And God made us to live in life. That's why we're going to do everything we can to help all of us live in community. Uh, that's the whole purpose of home church. There's purpose in Acts 2. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be with a lot of folks for celebration. But we need, you know, home by home, just like in the New Testament. We have home churches. We have other means that we want to help people to live in community. Because we long for it. We need it. Um, but here's the point. Here's the point. Is we've got to be ourselves. We've got to. Uh, be honest and real and, and, and not have to try to wear masks and pretend. You know, Woods Edge is a church where no one should be pretending that they don't have problems. I mean, for heaven's sake, if your senior pastor talks about, you know, living in mental disease forever and ever and, and my struggles with sin, then let, let's, just, let's just be honest that we all have problems. We all have to see the person next to you, even the one that you're not married to, they got real problems. They do. Some real problems, and, um, and and also nobody here is as spiritual as you'd like others to think, including me. So let's just don't pretend. There's no life there. There's freedom in just being real and honest. Yeah, we're all strugglers. We need the grace of God. Let's help each other, and and, and there's life in that. And we don't have to hide. Jesus Christ can free us. Okay. How are you hiding this morning? I've, I've gone first, and I've talked about some of the ways I've hidden. Who wants to go next? I'm actually not going to do that. But let me tell you how, how people hide in our culture. Um, well, let me get to my list. I don't leave out any good ones. All righty. Pouring yourself into career. Workaholism. Hobbies. Some of those hobbies can be good things, but some of you are hiding in those hobbies. Sports, I mean, I'm a sports fan, but man, that's, that's like religion in America. Um, television, alcohol, prescription drugs, shopping, a lot of you, you know, that's, that's where you're hiding. How's that working for you? Busyness, humor, 
sarcasm, incessant talking, addiction to social media, your iPhone. These are all kind of the ways that we hide from people and hide from God. Now, again, you can do some of those things in a healthy way, but you can sure do them in an unhealthy way also. So to the extent that you're hiding, you're missing out, you're stifling your spiritual growth, you're, you're, you're blocking God, you're blocking other people around you, let's stop hiding. Let's get found. I, I like the way John Ardberg puts it. He said, who hides? The man who knows he needs to change his priorities, whose kids don't know him, who can't remember the last time he prayed in a meaningful way, whose every act is calculated to advance his success, but who is so addicted to it that he refuses to see the truth or to allow others to see it, he's hiding. Who hides the woman who is filled with anger at her mother or her husband or her children or at God because she does not have a husband or does not have the husband she wants? But hers is a frozen anger. She does not acknowledge it even to herself. It just leaks out of her and corrodes her relationships and her heart. She's hiding. The couple who have attended church for years, whose life is friendly and respectable, but whose marriage is dead, they have not known emotional intimacy for years, have not made love or laughed together for longer than they can remember, they're hiding. Church, we hide, and it doesn't work. And we, 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 we block ourselves from what we most long for, God's love and meaningful love relationships with other people, and we can be real. And this is why we can be real. Because the gospel says that God in heaven is crazy in love with me. And whoever rejects me, God loves me. And so I can handle it. Because the God who made me and knows me through and through, he loves me. And he will never stop loving me. And so I can relax and be real. The reason I have any opportunity to be real with you guys is because I feel so loved by God. And that is true for every one of us. To the extent that you receive God's love. All righty. God made us for this community. He made us for himself. He made us for real relationships. Okay, back to the passage. Okay, Adam, we just saw, he's not completely honest with God. He leaves out the sin part and the disobedience part. So God presses in on him and uh, asks Adam about this nakedness problem. He says, who told you that you were naked? And then here it is. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam knows at that point, God knows. He's not hiding anything from God. God knows here's the real problem. Adam, have you eaten from the tree? Now, here is Adam's opportunity to come clean with God finally. I mean, God knows, so there's no reason not to. Just fully admit it, fully take responsibility. Isn't it interesting how God comes to Adam first and not to Eve? You know, we read the previous passage again, Adam was just not even mentioned in there. But, but Adam is the man in the responsibility. And, and men, if, if you are going to get married, then you're going to accept responsibility for the spiritual life of your family, whether you take it or not. So it's, it's more on your shoulders. Man up. Walk with God. That's how you lead spiritually. You obey God. You walk with God. You pursue God. That's how you do it. Okay, back to the passage. Um, Adam has his chance to come clean, to admit his sin. How does he do? Not very good. All righty, verse 12. This is what he says. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Now, couldn't help myself. 
She did it. It's her fault. And by the way, God, you gave her to me. It's your fault. I mean, how does he manage to blame the woman and God in one sentence and take zero responsibility himself? You know, that's her tendency. Lord, it's her fault. Lord, it's his fault. Lord, it's my mother's fault. Lord, it's the teacher's fault. Um, you know, there are reasons behind some of our pain and struggles, but, but let's accept the responsibility that we bear. That we bear. I, I love the baseball story, some of you baseball fans and um, this was a minor league baseball story. You know, the manager must be pretty young, and, and he played baseball and thought he was hot stuff. But here's the problem. Okay, so the center fielder was making some errors out in center field, and, he jer- and the manager jerks the center fielder out of the lineup, and he says, I'm going to play center field. He's out in center field. In one inning, uh, there was a ground ball, and the ball hopped on the way to him, and, and, and he took a bad hop and hit him in the mouth. Okay, uh, next uh, fly ball in center field, and he loses it in the glare, hits him on the head. Next time, there's a line drive coming at him, and he's reaching out, running for it, and he misses it, and it hits him on the head. You know, he's so furious when the inning is over. He gets back to the dugout, throws his glove down, goes to the center field, and says, you have messed up center field so badly that even I can't fix it. (laughs) You know, by contrast, one Um, One man put it this way. He said, um, real men accept responsibility. Adam refused to accept responsibility, but God would send another Adam who took responsibility not only for himself but for the whole human race. That's God. And the extent that we're going to be like Jesus Christ, we're going to accept responsibility. By the way, parents... Uh, teach your kids in this society and culture to accept responsibility. Man, they get some run in. Don't be all the, all the time defending them and rescuing them. Help them to accept responsibility. Do you know how you do that? Do it yourself. <laughs> that means you're going to be apologizing to your kids at times. And they're going to hear you apologize to your wife and other people. You accept responsibility. Teach them to accept responsibility. All righty. So far, have you noticed God has only asked questions? Kind of like Jesus in the gospel, just forever asking questions. God has not made one statement yet. And, he's, and the fi- final verse for our passage he's, is another question. He's going to talk to Eve for the first time. And so um, with Eve, verse 11, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. He doesn't do much better than Adam, does he? Uh, blaming someone else. So sorry for this uh, corny joke, but the man blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. The serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. You know, I don't do many of those, so it's all right. It's all right. Okay. We sin against God and we hide, and it doesn't work. It, it, it brings barriers to all the life that God has for us. God's got a better way. That, that's Satan's way there. The satanic strategy is for you and I to hide with materialism and alcohol and sports and all kind of things. Here's God's way. It's called confession. That we come to God and we're honest and we admit, Lord, I have sinned against you. It's confession. Uh, God is so gentle with us. I mean, he's, he's waiting for us. He's ready to receive us and just to, to, to wipe the decks clean. This is what 1 John 1, 9 says. Everybody here ought to memorize this verse. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, wow. You know, if, if, if I wrong Gail in some significant way, what do I need to do? I need to go to Gail, and I need to apologize, and, and, it's, and, and the, the barrier between us is just going to melt away, isn't it? It's just going to melt away. Gail, I'm really sorry. I, I, I was wrong. Everything's good. Got, got, mostly. No. And, uh, and, and God is a person, and, and if there's a barrier between us and God because of our sin, just, just bring it to him. And he, he, he takes it away. Uh, it's confession. David, in, in Psalm 32, it's a beautiful passage. says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through, through my groaning all day long. Your, your spiritual health affects your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health. My bones were wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Here is God's solution to our sin problem. It's not running from God. It's not stiff-arming God. It's not hiding in all kind of activities to distract ourselves. It is coming to God, and, and Lord, I'm so sorry. But thank you for the shed blood of Jesus that washes my sin whiter than snow. You see, we live in this side of the gospel. It's not religion for us. We know the gospel. We know that we have a Savior in heaven who came to this planet for the sole purpose of dying on a cross to pay for your sin and mine. And it's already been paid for. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's been paid for. Just receive that grace and forgiveness afresh and live in light of it. Confess your sin, receive God's grace, which is bigger than all of our sin. Now, now, what a God that we see in Genesis 3, a God that even when we rebel against him, he comes looking for us, chases after us, runs after you in, in love. Hide and seek. You hide, God seeks. Get found. Get found. I think a passage like this, we need to just take a few moments of silent prayer and ask God, Lord, is there any way that I'm hiding from you that maybe I've been blind about or denial about? Is there some sin I need to bring to you? Let's just, let's just bow our heads. Go ahead. It's really glaring if everybody's eyes are closed and you're, and you're looking at me. So go ahead and close your eyes. Um, Lord God, please show us. Is there any way I'm hiding? Lord, is there any sin I need to bring to you and just claim your gentle forgiveness and grace? He put something on your heart, something comes to your mind, just give it to him. Receive his grace. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so good and gracious. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior from sin, do so now. Just breathe a prayer. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's already heard that prayer before you pray it, if that's your heart. And he'll do it. He'll, he will wipe your sins whiter than snow. He'll wash them whiter than snow.
Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Lord, God like you, we want to please. We want to obey. We want to chase after. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we celebrate communion? And, and uh, you know, Jesus told us to, uh, to do this to remember him by. And, and, and we're remembering, you know, the heart of the gospel. That uh, this is why we have forgiveness. It's because he died for us. And, uh, you know, the early church, they, they did this weekly. There's no rules. You don't have to. But, but that's one reason to, to show up at church regularly is to remember with communion that Jesus Christ has washed my sins whiter than snow. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. So come wherever you are. Celebrate the forgiveness of God for you.